MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tim and Sean on the nightcap here on VCND Sports Betting Network. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Air and follow us all at VCN Live. The Buffalo Bills have found the end zone once again. A screen pass to Matt Burita has the Buffalo Bills up 31 to 6 on the Saints with 8.17 left. And I'm telling you, this total is not dead. The fourth quarter Saints still have an opportunity to do something. You know, this game was, I believe, what was it, 43? Is, is that the live total at 43? Uh, or, yeah, live total is at 43. And we're at 37 right now. That live total is hitting. That live total is going over for sure. Because we're getting another touchdown in this game. The Saints are going to score a touchdown. The concern is, though, is that if the Saints do score a touchdown and then go for two and then they don't hit it, and it'll end on 43, but anything's possible. This is a very interesting spot here now uh, for the Saints and the Bills as it is 31-6, to and we'll keep an eye on that game um, as we progress here. Let's take a look at the props, though, for this game and where we are with the stats as Josh Allen has just thrown his fourth touchdown pass. Josh Allen is 23 of 28 passing for 260 
yards. So he's still below his passing yardage prop. And with 8.17 left, uh, you know, should they get the football back? One, he might not be in the game. Two, if he's in the game, he's probably just handing it off. So don't know if he's going to go over that. Trevor Simeon might have a chance, though. He's at 133 yards. That's how pathetic the game has been for the Saints. 133 yards. His total was at 196 and a half. He could still go over that number. Josh Allen has clearly gone over his touchdown prop. Simeon has one touchdown pass. Uh, Josh Allen has thrown two interceptions, so he has gone over that. Simeon has not thrown an interception. Josh Allen has 43 rushing yards, so he is at 303 total yards rushing and receiving. As for the rushing yardage prop, Tony Jones with 46 and a half. That was his prop total. He has rushed 11 times for 11 yards. No running game whatsoever for the New Orleans Saints. And Taysom Hill has not found his way into the game. I'm baffled by this. I wanted to bet Taysom Hill anytime touchdown at plus 400. And through three quarters plus, he hasn't seen the field. And I don't know why. They showed him on the sidelines during the broadcast, and he's wearing his hat, and he's got his earpiece in. And I don't know if this new contract has some interesting language in it or, or whatnot, maybe bonuses for playing time. I don't know. and Or maybe Taysom Hill is honestly just a quarterback now because he looked like a backup quarterback on the sidelines. On the sidelines with the hat on and the, and the headset in, he just looked like the backup quarterback. He did not look like a guy who's going to get in the game at running back, who's going to get in the game at tight end who's going to make some plays down by the goal line. And I don't know, and you know what? Maybe he's hurt. Maybe there's something that we don't know. And I haven't been listening to the broadcast. Obviously, I'm on the air with you guys. But how could you watch this game? Look at the stats in this game. They've ran the ball 17 times for only 21 yards. Trevor Simeon is 15 of 25 for 142 yards. They have no offense. Wouldn't you think that putting Taysom Hill in might spark something? And I guess now it's too late, right? I mean, now you're just chasing and chasing, and whatever happens, happens. But I just, I don't know. I felt like, hey, maybe he gives you the best chance to 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 win to win a football game at the start of this game. I thought that would be the plan to go was just to give me Taysom Hill and try and rush against a defense that got absolutely dominated on Sunday last week. They, you know, they, they just got run on. The Colts ran and ran and ran. And Jonathan Taylor had a monster game. Why wouldn't you try and follow that? Instead, you have no running game. No running game whatsoever. And, okay, you start the game off, and you get nothing going. You go three and out. And in that, uh, you had... um, Jones rushed for two yards. 
Montgomery for minus two yards, Trevor Simeon for seven yards, and then you're punting. Didn't work out on the first drive. Then you give up a touchdown. Then in your second drive, it's just more Trevor Simeon passes. Why didn't you try and run the ball in your second drive? Why isn't Taysom Hill in the game? Why aren't you trying something different? This just game was over before it started. So just a bad performance here as the um, Saints are going to go down. The Buffalo Bills are going to win. And we can start to project ahead and take a look at the AFC uh, playoff picture or the AFC standings. And yes, the AFC East gets you know more and more interesting now with the the Bills getting this seventh win. So they're now seven and four. They'll be tied with the Patriots momentarily and uh, until the Pats play on Sunday. And we'll see what the Pats do as a seven-point favorite against the Titans. But perhaps the odds to win the um, division will change a bit with this Bills victory. Uh, with a couple of weeks ago, the Patriots were plus 300. I really like them at plus 300 to win the division. They win a football game. The odds shift to plus 250. And then they, uh, they win again, and the Bills lose. And the odds shifted to the Bills as a small favorite and the Patriots plus one. Right now, Bills are minus 200, Patriots are plus 150. So that's even a rise. I still like the Bill. I still like the Patriots, excuse me, to beat the Bills. I think they're capable of doing so. Even after this performance, which has been a dominant performance, the Bills do not have a marquee win on their schedule besides that Saints game. They beat, excuse me, the Chiefs. They beat the Chiefs. And that's a great win. However, in week five, the Chiefs were not the team that they are now. But you're not going to take that win away from them. The rest of their wins are against bad football teams. Bad football teams with below 500 records. Right? They beat the Dolphins. They beat Washington. They beat the Texans. They beat the Jets. They'll, they're beating the Saints. They're not exactly beating playoff teams here. So how good are the Buffalo Bills? And will we learn how good they are over the next couple of weeks when they play the Patriots and Bucks back-to-back? Because it's easy to watch them beat the Chiefs, then lose to the Titans, but then beat the Dolphins, lose a game that they had no business losing against the Texans, excuse me, against the Jaguars, beat the bad Jets, and then lose to a talented football team in the Colts, but then beat up on a bad, banged-up Saints team. What do they do against the Patriots with the division essentially on the line? And then how do they follow up that with a game at the Buccaneers, the Super Bowl favorites, in a game that people will tout, or at least at the beginning of the season, touted as the Super Bowl preview. How does that matchup go down? And at that point, 
the Bills, who are seven and four after this win, could be seven and six. And then we could be talking about maybe not making the playoffs entirely. I, I, that's not crazy. The Buffalo Bills are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. The second favorite to win the Super Bowl. They are the favorite to win the AFC. Yet, there is still a scenario that they don't even make the playoffs. Playoffs? Think about it. If they lose back-to-back games to the Patriots and Bucks, they will be 7-6. and six. And then they'll have the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and Jets. Yeah, I still think that even with those two losses back-to-back, they should beat the Jets, they should beat the Falcons, they should beat the Panthers. But what if they get swept by the Patriots? If they get swept by the Patriots and lose to the Bucks, they are at best a 10-7 and football team. Does 10-7 and get you into the playoffs? That's the question you have to ask in the AFC. I just don't get why, and I never really understood why, the Buffalo Bills are a favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm not a believer in this team at all. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It's the Nightcap here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now available on vcin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. At the vcin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. Scott Sadenberg back here with you in for Tim Murray and Sean King on the nightcap here on Thanksgiving on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Saints are driving, but this game is all but uh, done as there's under two minutes to go. And the Bills have a 31 to 6 lead over New Orleans. They will improve to 7 and 4. And uh, look, I told you I'm not a believer in them, but you do have to include them in the chances to get the one seed in the AFC. Right now, there's no one that's running away with this thing. The Titans are 8-3, and three, but they're seven-point dogs to the Patriots. And if the Patriots do win that game, well, the Pats would improve to 8-4, and four, the Titans would be 8-4, and four, and the Patriots would have the inside track here uh, towards the um, first number one overall seed. The Ravens, with a win over the Browns on Sunday night, they'll be 8-3, and three, and they'll have the best record in the AFC. Moving forward, though, if you're looking at a team that has the possibility of getting that one seed, I I feel like the Chiefs, who might have figured something out, defensively, they've looked a lot better over the past couple of weeks, and that's going to happen when you get a guy like Chris Jones back. You're going to look uh, a lot better defensively. But they've won, what is it now, uh, four straight games, and they are seven and four. 
their next couple of games are the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. You know, in these games, you got to figure that the Saints, uh, excuse me, that the Chiefs are going to be, um, let's see, they're going to be favored against the Broncos, favored against the Raiders. At the Chargers will be an interesting line to look at. Home against the Steelers, they'll be favored. At the Bengals, they'll probably be favored. At the Broncos, they'll probably get be favored. So with the exception of the game in L.A. against the Chargers, Kansas City will be favored to win every game for the remainder of the season. So should they win those games, and, and I'm not saying they're going to win out, but just based on favorite or underdog, this could be a 12-5 and team, which is crazy to think of when you consider how they started the season. But at 12-5, and that might be good enough to have the best record in the AFC. The Ravens, who play a tough game against the Browns, even though they are favored, so again, we're going to have to give them, we're assuming wins in games that you're favored in. The Ravens at 8-3, and three, or 7-3, and three, have the Browns coming up. They're a favorite, so we'll give them 8-3. and three. At the Steelers, going to be a close game. At the Browns, tough game. Home against the Packers, tough game. At the Bengals, home against the Rams, home against the Steelers. I am not buying this team to finish with 12 wins. To me, this is a 10 or 11 win team, not 12. Now you look at the other teams. Who can get the 12? Can the Chargers get the 12? The Chargers, their remaining schedule, at the Broncos, at the Bengals, Giants at home, Chiefs at home, at the Texans, home against the Broncos, home against the Raiders. They'll be favored in pretty much, I mean, dare I say, every game. Can we say the Chargers will be favored in every game? Chargers go into Denver as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So you got to believe that when they play Denver at home, they'll be a favorite. When they go to Vegas to take on the Raiders last game of the season, it could be a similar line to the one that we see here with the Broncos. Uh, They'll be favored against the Giants. When they go to the Bengals, that'll be an interesting line. Home against the Chiefs will be an interesting line. But let's say at 6-4 and four right now, can they get to 12-5? and five? I think they can get to 12-5. and five. And that game against the Chiefs might be for the division and for the number one overall seed in the AFC, to be honest with you. Because I don't think the Ravens get to 12. The Titans, if we give them a loss this Sunday against the Patriots where there are seven-point dogs, well, that's four losses. Can they avoid a fifth and sixth loss? Home against the Jaguars, they'll be favored. At the Steelers, tough game. Home against the Niners, tough game. Home against the Dolphins, they'll be favored. At the Texans, they'll be favored. The Titans, at 8-4, and because, again, we're going to give them a loss to the Patriots. Um, As long as they win one of those games against the Steelers or the 49ers, should be a 12-5 and team as long as they win one of those games. Should be 12-5. and five. If they lose them both, well, 
Now you're talking about, you know, an 11-win team at best. And then there's the Patriots. Patriots play the Titans, but again, seven-point favorites. We're going to assume a win. At the Bills, they'll be underdogs slightly. At the Colts will be a tough game. Home against the Bills, a tough game. Jaguars-Dolphins. As much as I, I believe in in the, the Patriots, I think the Patriots are going to win this division. I'm giving them, you know, some of these wins against the Buffalo Bills, but you can't assume them because they're going to be underdogs in some of these games. You know, at the Bills, at the Colts. I'm very curious to see what that line's going to be like at the Colts. Uh, they could be a slight favorite, to be honest. You know, we're seeing the Bucks as a three-point favorite in Indy this Sunday. Uh, could be something like that. For the Patriots, can they, you know, it, to finish with 12 wins, they have to really just only have one more loss. So we're talking about only losing one game between the two Bills games and the one Colts game, assuming they beat the Titans here as seven-point favorites. Uh, can they get there? Absolutely, they can get there. Are they likely to get there? Not very likely to get there. I think, to be honest, the Chiefs and the Chargers have really good chances to get to 12 wins. And I think 12 wins might be what it can what all it takes to get to that number 1 seed. The Chiefs they lost to the Titans. So they would lose a tiebreaker to um to Tennessee, which does, you know, does hurt them that they would lose that tiebreaker. For the Chargers, it would come down to other tie-breaking scenarios if both teams finished with the best record. So I might take a flyer on the Chargers. I might take a flyer on the Chiefs and certainly the Titans, uh, but there's a very good possibility that we see that game between the Chiefs and the Chargers as not just for the division, but for the number one overall seed in the AFC. And odds to win the AFC right now. The Bills are your favorite. And followed by the Chiefs, then the Patriots, then the Ravens, then the Titans, and then the Chargers. Now, not saying that this could happen, but at plus 900, Chargers could be worth a look based on their schedule, based on the opportunity that they will have in front of them to get to that number one overall seed in the AFC and earn that buy. That buy is just huge. The fact that there's only one buy now is just tremendous. You avoid playing now on that wild card weekend and then the, or the super wild card weekend or whatever it's called. Then you have, you know, you have a home game in the divisional round and you hope that there's a possibility that one of those top division winning teams actually gets knocked off. In the first round, you know, a team that normally maybe the second seed that would normally have a bye gets knocked off because they're forced to play in that wild card round. Like imagine right now. If the Buffalo Bills had to play a playoff game against the Bengals. That's what it would line up to be right now. Bills against the Bengals in a playoff game. It's not necessarily a, a, a cakewalk. This is a tough game. What if the Bills had to play the Steelers? What if the Bills had to play the Colts? We just saw Indy steamroll them in Buffalo. What if they had to play them in the playoffs? Similar scenario. 
the buy means everything. And so taking a look at the schedule and figuring out which one of these teams is going to achieve that buy, that's the team that you want to back here for the future. And plus 900 for the Chargers might actually be worth a sprinkle if they start rolling here. Watch them this Sunday. They beat Denver convincingly. Those odds are going to go down. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air. It's the Nightcap here on VSIT. Play free in three fantasy football contests and complete all Thanksgiving weekend for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash now to get in on the action. EA Sports, it's in the game. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the nightcap here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And after this performance... From Josh Allen on this Thanksgiving evening, in which we saw him throw for 260 yards, four touchdowns with two interceptions. He also ran for 43 yards. Does Josh Allen now move up the MVP voting? Tom Brady is your favorite coming into this game at plus 300. Josh Allen, who took a step back last week against the Colts, is at plus 600. Now, I would not... Put Allen over Brady. I understand he threw for four touchdowns. He did throw for two picks. Okay. And he has, okay, he had a decent game with the 260 yards. It's not like he threw for over 300. And he did run for 43, which is nice. But I still just don't buy Josh Allen as the MVP. Tom Brady has had a better season. And that's why Brady should be a higher MVP candidate than Josh Allen. Tom Brady has thrown for 3,177 3, yards, second only to Patrick Mahomes. Brady has thrown 29 touchdown passes, second to no one. And Brady has thrown eight interceptions this season. Josh Allen's also thrown eight interceptions this season. Actually, now Josh Allen's thrown 10 interceptions this season. So Josh Allen's at 25 and 10. Brady's at 29 and 8. And uh, Josh Allen is at about 3,000. So we'll see what Brady does this Sunday because I believe that Brady should have a good performance against this Colts defense. And we're going to see Brady continue to be the favorite to win this award. Uh, Guys that I think are unsung, I've talked about it before, Kirk Cousins, unsung, 2,775 yards. He's thrown for 21 touchdowns to only two interceptions. And this team is rising right now. Aaron Rodgers still doing his thing, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions. And he has thrown for 
2,571 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 25 touchdowns, 11 picks, though. 11 picks is a lot, but he's thrown for 3,200 yards. More yards than anybody right now is Patrick Mahomes. And uh, if the Chiefs keep winning and Patrick Mahomes performs, we'll see what they do. He didn't really perform that well against the Dallas Cowboys. So that kind of hurts him a little bit. But he has an opportunity to win this award. Matt Stafford, I don't like. Justin Herbert, I would consider. And it's the same reason why, you know, I would consider the Chargers for some of these future bets. But Herbert's thrown for just under 3,000 yards. And he is, uh, what does he have here? 22 touchdowns to eight interceptions. He would, you know, need to start racking up the touchdowns. But if he does, then you can start to consider Justin Herbert possibly as an MVP. And he's got some pretty long shot odds there as well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, tremendous season that he has had. He is the rushing leader in the NFL. I think Jonathan Taylor is the offensive player of the year, but he's not going to be the MVP. The running backs just, it just doesn't happen. You don't win the MVP. Derrick Henry had monster numbers and didn't win the MVP. Uh, It goes to the quarterbacks, and that's why you're going to get Tom Brady. I don't think it's Josh Allen, even though everyone seems to love Josh Allen. I just don't think his numbers are that great. Like, I, I would compare, but prior to this game, you know, and I've done this comparison before, but Kirk Cousins has better numbers than Josh Allen. They're very close with passing yards prior to this game, very close in passing yards. Cousins has a higher completion percentage. They've both thrown the same amount of touchdowns, and Allen's thrown eight interceptions compared to Cousins' two interceptions. Kirk Cousins has had a better year than Josh Allen. Yet, Josh Allen is the MVP favorite, and Kirk Cousins is plus 4,000. Now, Allen did throw four touchdowns in this game. Only 260 yards, so not that great. But 264 touchdowns, but the two picks. He's not got 10 picks on the year. This isn't good. You can't throw double-digit picks and be the MVP. You can't. He, he could end the season with 15-somewhat picks. Maybe more. That's not good. And for Kirk Cousins, I mean, what if he has another solid performance coming up this Sunday in a game where they are slight underdogs against the 49ers? What if uh, Kirk Cousins throws for 300-somewhat yards, three touchdowns? I mean, look at the game logs here for Kirk Cousins. And tell me what I'm missing. Okay, last week, Cousins threw for 341 yards and three touchdowns. The week before that, Cousins threw for 294 yards and two touchdowns. He had a couple of, you know, eh games against the Ravens and the Cowboys. But prior to that, 373 yards and three touchdowns against Carolina. 275, a touchdown and a pick against Detroit. He had an eh game against Cleveland. Against Seattle, 323, three touchdowns, no picks. Against Arizona, 244, three touchdowns, no picks. And against Cincinnati, 351, two touchdowns, and no picks. He has thrown for over 300 yards four times this season. And in those four games, 
he has thrown for 11 touchdowns and zero picks. <laughs> he's had a great season. He's plus 4,000, and he's not even going to be considered for this award. How is this? What? What's going on here? What are we using to determine this award? I, I, I'm, I don't get it. Josh Allen's the favorite. Why? I mean, it's crazy. It really is. Um, you know, Brady, yes, I, I understand Brady. Tom Brady has thrown for, you know, as we look here at his last couple of games, Brady threw for 307, two touchdowns and a pick, 222 and two, not that great. 375, four touchdowns, two picks. Come on. 411. Now, the game against Miami. 411, five touchdowns, no picks. It's a great game. Against the Rams, 432, one touchdown. Against Atlanta, 276, five touchdowns, no picks. Against Dallas, 379, four and two. So Brady has thrown for over 301, two, three, four, five times. He's thrown for over 400 twice. He has two five-touchdown games. He has three four-touchdown games. That's why he's up there. But, I mean, look at, I mean, 40-to-1 odds for Kirk Cousins. That is, that's one hell of a sprinkle as far as the MVP goes. An Offensive Player of the Year, it's, yeah, it's Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is going to win the Offensive Player of the Year. He's had such a great season. He's the rushing leader. Cooper Cup, I understand the the attraction of Cooper Cup. He's had a really nice season for the um for for the for the Rams and he does lead in receiving yards. He's right there uh, in front of Debo Samuel. He has 10 touchdowns, so he leads in touchdowns. He leads in receptions. And he leads in receiving yards. So he leads in all three of the receiving categories. Receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor leads in rushing yards and leads in rushing touchdowns. So he leads in the two big categories for the rushing, for the rushes. Um I guess average, really, you know, those guys that are different averages and what like that. So I think it's could be a, a two-person race. If it's a wide receiver, there's no better wide receiver, not even Debo Samuel than Cooper Cup. And if it's a running back, no one else is coming close than Jonathan Taylor. Mac Jones, still my guy for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons, he's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year and then Coach of the Year. It's anybody's ball game to see where this thing finishes out. Kingsbury is your favorite right now, followed by Belichick, then Vrabel. We're going to get into college football coming up next. Talk about some of the games coming up here on Friday. This is the Nightcap. I'm Scott Seidenberg. In for Tim and Sean here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 
Black Friday offer is here. Right now, when you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry, this is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you on the nightcap here on vcin, the sports betting network. Ole Miss goes into Starkville and beats up on their rival Mississippi State, coming away with a 31-21 win in the Egg Bowl to finish their season at 10-2. and And it's a shame that Ole Miss lost a game to Auburn when Matt Corral was clearly injured and a shell of himself. And credit to Bo Nix, who balled out in that game, but that one loss for Ole Miss is probably what's keeping them out of the college football playoff conversation. Uh, Now, is there a chance if utter chaos ensues? Maybe, but uh, even with utter chaos, you know, uh, and a two-loss Alabama gets in over a two-loss Ole Miss as you know, Alabama beat Ole Miss. And that game bothers me so much, so much, because Lane Kiffin did not give his kids a chance to compete, and he was so caught up in what was going on, you know, just the fact that he was playing against Nick Saban, the fact that he was playing against Alabama, He got so caught up in that instead of just trying to coach a football game. Because if he coaches that football game like he's playing any other game and not the Alabama game, Ole Miss has a chance in that game. On the first possession, they march all the way down the field to the goal line. And instead of taking the points, goes for it on fourth down and doesn't get it. Alabama then marches all the way down the field and scores a touchdown at 7-0. Now, I don't care who you're playing. And I know that there are people out there that say kicking is for losers. But when I have an opportunity on the road against the number one team in the nation to, and at that point Alabama was number one, to give my team a lead on the scoreboard, have some confidence after the first drive of the game, I'm giving my team a lead. People will say you don't beat Alabama by kicking field goals. I say you don't beat Alabama when you don't score less, when you don't score more than them. And whether you're up 3-0 or 30-0, a lead is a lead. And I'm taking the lead every time. And let's say, I don't know what happens if they take the lead and then they kick the football off instead of giving Alabama. I know Alabama marched all the way downfield, but hey, Maybe a little bit of momentum, maybe a little bit of excitement from your defense. Instead of feeling disheartened by not getting the touchdown, they're excited because they have a 3-0 lead. And then, oh, even if Alabama scores a touchdown, you're only down 7-3. If you score a touchdown, you take the lead again. Instead of being down 7-0 and just hoping to tie with a touchdown. And then on the second possession, after giving up the touchdown, you're down 7 nothing. Instead of punting, he goes for it on fourth down, doesn't get it, 
and Alabama marches down the field and scores a touchdown, and it's 14-0. It was 14-0 before you could even take a bathroom break. And that's it. The game's over. And Ole Miss had no chance in that game. Now they later would go down 21-0 and then 28-0 at the half. 35-0 in the second half. It's just the game was over. At 14-0, that game was over. And it's a it's a darn shame because Ole Miss had the talent to compete in that game. And if given the opportunity, I don't know how that game plays out. If they're down 7-3 and Alabama has the football after a punt and doesn't have the short field to work with, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Ole Miss gets the football back still down 7-3. Or worst case scenario, they're down 14-3 and they're a touchdown away from making it a 14-10 game, whatever it is. There's so many opportunities. Anyway. Ole Miss finishes the year 10-2. They have had a great season. A great season. Um, The loss to Alabama bothers me. The loss to Auburn, just a shame. Matt Corral was so injured in that game. He uh, will earn himself a trip to New York as the Heisman finalist. He threw for 234 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He ran for 45 yards and a touchdown. Didn't have the greatest game. But he was okay. He's not going to win the Heisman, uh, but he will be a finalist. There has to be more than two finalists, so he's going to be a finalist. It's going to be it's between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young for this award. Corral and Kenneth Walker, they'll be finalists, and uh, that's a, as you know as good as it's going to get for them. They should just uh, um, you know ac- acknowledge the honor, accept it, and they move forward. Uh, but there are some big games coming up here on Friday. Really big games. You have Boise State, San Diego State, huge game for the Mountain West standings. Iowa, Nebraska. Iowa's still got a shot to go to the Big Ten Championship game. Cincinnati, East Carolina. Can Cincy avoid a trap scenario before they play Houston in the American Championship game? Arkansas and Mizzou finish out their schedule. Utah is hoping to avoid a hiccup prior to their matchup in the uh, Pac-12 Championship game, and who knows who they're going to play in that Pac-12 title game. Likely to be Oregon, but it could be somebody else. And then North Carolina, NC State. NC State still has hopes of getting to the ACC championship game, and they can do so if uh, they win and, you know, maybe there's uh, an upset somewhere along the line. So an exciting uh, Friday of college football. And, you know, the game that jumps out to me, it's a game that I actually wrote up here for vcin.com. I really really think that East Carolina keeps this thing close with uh, with Cincinnati. And the reason being is that, first off, East Carolina has done a really good job of covering spreads. They're on an incredible spread run right now. And when I look at Cincinnati, a great game last week against SMU. Like, a really great game. That was the first time that I watched them, and I was like, you know what? Okay. I, 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 I see you, Cincy. I see you. Because I was really down on them. And I thought SMU would come out with that offense, sixth ranked in the country. I thought they would have a much better game than they did. But they got beat up. Seven three and outs on the first eight possessions. They, they were just down and out there. But this East Carolina team 
at home is going to be a pretty tough out. East Carolina, uh, they have pulled off upsets before in the past, but they're on, like I said, they're on a very good streak of covering games. And going up against Cincinnati, who prior to last week had not covered several weeks in a row. That is, to me, you know, that was a bounce-back win for them, but not a, uh, not a good win for them. On the season right now, East Carolina is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, two, and one against the spread on the season so far. But six and one in their last seven games. Six and one against the spread in their last seven games for East Carolina. Can't say the same about Cincinnati. And getting 14 points at home in a game where, look, you know you're not going to the conference championship game. You're going to a bowl game. You're seven and four on the year. But this is your bowl game. Like, this is your marquee game. You have the number four team in the nation coming into your stadium. This is your opportunity to have the win of all wins. This is your time. This is your game. If you win this game, you're storming the field and you're celebrating it all offseason. Hey, we beat Cincinnati. That's a win you carry. For those seniors, you carry that win with you for the rest of your lives. Beating an undefeated number four ranked team in your building? Come on. I don't know if East Carolina does pull the upset. But 14 points, two touchdowns, I think is too, too many in this game. Give me the Pirates to cover against the Bearcats as Cincinnati might be looking ahead a little bit to that matchup with Houston next week. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the Nightcap here on VEASAN. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.